When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to my podcast. Just before we begin talking about today's exciting topic, I want to take a moment to ask you to consider partnering with me to reclaim this broken mental health system. I'm sure you know numerous people who struggle with anxiety and depression. Maybe you struggle with a chaotic mind and have felt the pain of intrusive thoughts. Too often, this topic is not addressed in churches, and the world's answer is medication or meditation, both of which are not sustainable solutions. But there is a solution, and it's one that is easily accessible and applicable. But we do need your help to make the solution attainable for people all over the world, including yourself. As you know, we are passionate as an organization about helping people learn about the power of their minds and how to overcome mental health issues. So, starting in April, May of this year, we will be beginning a series of clinical trials to further test and improve our current programs and develop ways to make these programs easily accessible and affordable for you, your community, and people everywhere. These programs will help you find and eliminate the root of mental health issues and build healthy new habits and mindsets. As you may be aware, clinical trials are not cheap, so we need your help. Please consider contributing to this research project. Any amount will help and all proceeds go directly to the research and clinical trials. For more information on this project and to donate, please visit drleafresearch.com that is d-r-l-e-a-f-r-e-s-e-a-r-c-h all one word lowercase dot com please help me change this broken mental health system and now back to today's podcast we're going to talk about why change is so hard and how to learn to love and embrace change. Change is hard for many reasons, okay? In this episode, I'm going to discuss why change is so hard from a mental health and a mind perspective, and also how to deal with change and make it more easily digestible because change is unavoidable. I'll also go into the how to know when change is good. You know, one of the things I always told my kids is that what's unavoidable, things are going to change, and I'm always going to love you. So change is unavoidable, so we really do need to learn how to deal with change. Maybe you deal well with change. Then this episode is for anyone you know who may need help. Maybe you can learn a few tips to help them. Okay, so let's talk about why change is hard. Firstly, change is painful. It feels physically painful. It's painful from a neuroscientific perspective because what you are doing is you've got one way of functioning that is coming from a physical structure in your brain because the way you do things has come from thoughts that you have physically built into your brain. 
and then you've practiced using them, so they've become automated habits. So when you change, you're changing what's comfortable, you're changing what's in existence, you're uprooting and redesigning and rewiring something that exists. And that changes the neurotransmitter balance, it changes the energy in the brain, the electromagnetic flow. It's like a cutting up to rebuild. It's a bit like when you have surgery, you have to be cut up to be fixed up. And that can be painful. And it can be kind of confusing. It creates a sense of like unease that you know something is going on. And if we don't read this right, we can actually think it's bad, but it's not necessarily bad because change is just creating a sense of challenge inside of you. This change is distorting the flow of certain neurotransmitters because the high that you got from doing what you were used to doing isn't there anymore. We literally get a high from repeating the same actions. And when you change it, that high goes and you've got this rebuilding process and it can make us feel this this discomfort, even mental anguish, even a bit of anxiety. So if you are changing a bad habit, this pain is worth it. It's like working out. It's like having that surgery. It's like going through that process where you may be redesigning your house and you break it down and build it up. It's hard and painful, but when the change in your body, with the changes that happen in your body and the improvement in your mental health, it is worth it. Unfortunately, humans tend to find the path of least least resistance and the least painful path. It's kind of part of our human instinct to survive as a species. So we tend to avoid painful experiences like change. Meanwhile, we actually need to embrace them in order to change. Also, we do fear the unknown. Why do we fear the unknown? Because anything can happen. And for humans, for the most part, we're very risk adverse. And Change requires risk and going outside of our comfort zones. So we love to know what's coming up, but we're not going to know what's coming up because each thing that comes up is something new. Next thing, change is confusing. We're going from one established and very familiar way of doing something to a new way that we may not understand yet. Maybe we we are told we need to change a habit that's so ingrained that we can't even see that it's a habit or we just feel like it's we don't even see we're doing it, but we don't even know how to change or what the outcome will be. Is it going to be beneficial? Is the change going to be worth it? It's kind of like a a perceived cost-benefit analysis that we do. Is the reward worth the risk? All this adds up to mental distress. The third thing is that we feel threatened. This is a very common reaction to change. Maybe you have to change a deep worldview or an opinion. Thinking of an example from my own life, Mac and I raised our four children in a very strict way. We obviously felt that we were doing the right thing and loved our children unconditionally and all that kind of stuff. But as they grew up and, our, and they were able to express themselves more and as they grew into teenagerhood, and they would, we've always had a very open environment. So they felt safe enough to approach us and to tell us, you know, when you did this or when you said that or when you applied this discipline, this is how it made us felt. And, you know, it was really not right. And it was such something that we had to really deal with. It, it was a change that we had to go through. We had to realize that our, we had to adapt and change to our children that they were able to think about the responses that they were having to the way that they were brought up, they were challenging us. So instead of us seeing it as a threat, as something personal, we had to literally learn to change and tune into our children and be honestly big enough and insightful enough to listen to them 
and listen to the potential mistakes that we made, the good and the bad. Obviously, they, they told us good things and they told us bad things. It's not always easy to hear the bad stuff, but we had to realize that they had changed and they were able to tell us, the, give us feedback from our way of, of doing things and give us the results of that. And that enabled us to change. And it was painful. But we listened and we changed and we made that decision and we did feel threatened and it was confusing because we did love them. We went through all those emotions. It was disturbing, but it was worth it. The listening has made me grow. I've learned so much. I'm a better parent. I'm better at what I do. I have more insight. And I often say I learned, have learned more from my children than from any degree that I have ever done. So again, this goes back to human nature to resist anything that kind of threatens the way we've been doing anything. Almost like our survival has been threatened. It's similar to how antibodies react to a virus in the body. It's like a flight or fright syndrome that we, the flight and fright syndrome that we go into. We either going to embrace the change and listen and grow, or we're going to resist the change, and that's going to damage relationships, damage your your growth as a person, your growth as a, as a human. Change can challenge our identity. But sometimes we need to look at what that identity is. Sometimes we've added things to identity that our incorrect perceptions and change makes us look at our, our identity and how we formed our identity. And that can be threatening. Maybe you have something that you've been doing for years and you see this as part of your identity, but recently you've made, been made aware that it's bad and you need to change. This can almost feel like someone is saying that you're a bad person as overall as a human, you just, uh, everything you do is bad. And that kind of threatens our pride. But it's not about everything you're doing. It's about a part of what you're doing. We operate in positive ways and negative ways. So when someone challenges you, it's generally about the negative things in you, which is only part of you. It's not overall saying that you're a bad person. Maybe you don't like being that person who has to admit that you can't do something. So maybe you have something, you know, the pride aspect again, that you now have to face that you don't do something that well that you thought you were doing. So, you know, you were doing well or there's something that you felt was okay to do and it seemed right as a parent or as a boss or whatever, but you see that it's not. So by listening to other people, telling you things, you can identify that there's potential blocks through pride in what you're doing and that you need to change those because otherwise it affects your overall functioning. As soon as you do start admitting that, as soon as you start recognizing what you've done wrong, the pride starts dissolving and you start learning something new and you become a better human. As I said, I became a better parent. So initially it was hard. I did resist. I was threatened. But then I realized, but I love my kids more. I would rather, I value the relationship more. And maybe they are saying something too, because there were certain things that when they pointed them out, I remember thinking, wow, this is kind of a weird way of disciplining and so on. So you, your pride will dissolve and you learn something new and you become a better human. Another thing about change is it's not an easy process because it takes time. And in our quick fix mentality, take a tablet for everything, get everything done instantly, it's pretty difficult to deal with the fact that changing a habit can take time. The research that I've done on, on rebuilding thoughts and changing habits, it takes around 63 days before you have broken down an old way of, an old way of functioning and built a whole new way of functioning. Most people unfortunately give up after four because of all the things I've been, all the reasons I've been giving, in addition to the fact that it takes a commitment of time to push through, to go through the change. We unfortunately live in this world, as I've said, that we want a quick fix and fast solutions or change is 
change doesn't happen quickly and there isn't a fast solution. And we can't just give up because it, we feel uncomfortable and it's taking too long. Just It's not even possible in terms of how the mind and the brain is structured. The way we are structured, we see scientifically that this is something that takes time. So by giving you this knowledge, it should help you already. It kind of make you maybe feel a sense of peace that, oh, I can't change quickly enough because that can also happen. You can feel, oh, I'm still doing this. Why am I doing this? And it's only been 24 hours or it's only been three days and or it's only been three weeks. You've, you've got to push through for nearly nine weeks before you've reestablished a changed and reconceptualized and rebuilt a new way of functioning. So now, how do we learn to deal with change? How can we train our brain with our mind to deal with change? First thing. We need to reconceptualize, which means don't see any new information or way of doing things as threats to you personally. This is very key. So if someone tells you, hey, you're not doing that well, try and not take it personally. The minute you take it personally, you're going to block off to the wisdom that you actually need to improve. See these things, these challenges to change as opportunities to learn and gain new knowledge which is really good for your mental and physical health. Then remember that things take time. I recommend that you get my book, Think, Learn, Succeed. And you'll see I talk a lot in there about understanding the process of time. I talk about it in in terms of the time mindset, developing a mindset that recognizes that things do take time, get out of the quick fix mentality. And I also talk in that book a lot about the concept of why the 63 days and how to build changes and new ways of thinking into your life over 63 days. Third thing, talk to someone and get them to be accountability partners, to give advice and to help you with confusion. And by the same thing, pay that forward. You can help them in the same way. You see, having someone come alongside you as you make the change is less scary and less daunting. Another thing to remember is, you know, the person that you see needs to change and that you are maybe advising to change, just be gentle in how you're telling them to change. Make sure that you're not too harsh. Be direct, but be gentle because people respond so much better when you are gentle. You need The fourth thing you can do is we need to understand that change is part of life. I mean, we all know that. It's like me saying something that you already know, but are you really accepting that? Embracing the fact that change is going to happen regardless. So you may as well just learn how to manage it because it's going to happen. Otherwise, you're going to always feel like things are being forced on you and that you're not equipped. And this is going to cause a lot of mental suffering and which will translate very possibly into physical suffering. Point five, the edginess that you feel isn't something negative. Remember that when you, when you are going through change, you will feel edginess. And that is because structural things are changing inside your brain and you are shifting things inside of your mind. So embrace this as a sign of growth in your mind and your brain. The process of edginess is actually growing you. The sixth tip to help you is be prepared to hear what you may not want to hear or see, but listen to the reasons before you just say no. It's just so easy just to say no. If you haven't examined all the reasons, if you can't give a whole lot of reasons about why you're not going to change, then you are operating in pride and you won't grow. Pride will keep you from learning and growing mentally, physically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. No one knows it all. Next thing, be flexible. The process of change is not a step-by-step thing. It takes time. It may take multiple twists and turns. If you are prepared in advance for the unexpected 
all the different possibilities, then it's going to be so much easier. Have a look in my book, Think, Learn, Succeed, at the possibility mindset and the expectation mindset. And these these will definitely help you mitigate the stress of change. Last thing, how do we know when a change is a good thing and worth the pain, time and effort? Firstly, know the change is necessary when multiple people have mentioned or said something about the change needed to you. We have four children. When four children came to us and said, hey, mom, dad, X, Y and Z, you listen because multiple people are saying it on multiple occasions. It could be in your work environment. Your boss could be telling you something over and over. You could be telling someone else something over and over. So when it comes up on a regular, frequent basis, then it's worth responding. So if it's not just something random, just a random occurrence, and it's happening on a regular basis, then it's more valid. And especially if it's people close to you that are saying these things, because they know you, they see you. Next thing you can do is turn inward, be self-regulatory, reflect, ask, answer, discuss. Observe your thinking, feeling, and choosing. Really question, is this going to make me a better person? Will this allow me to help others? Third thing, analyze your motives for change. Is it to please someone? Is it superficial? Is it to benefit yourself, your company, your work? Is is it a valid change? So analyze your motive. So to summarize, change is threatening, can be painful, is scary but it is a vital component of life. You can't avoid it. So it's a good, worthwhile investment of your time to learn to manage change effectively in your life. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today and thank you for joining me. If you liked today's podcast and want to learn more and go deeper into these concepts, I encourage you to attend my 2019 Mental Health Solutions Summit this December in Dallas, Texas. This conference is all about helping you manage your mental health and give you the tools needed to help others in your life. Whether you are a parent looking for ways to help your child, a teacher looking for ways to help your students and your colleagues, a pastor looking for ways to help your congregation, or a therapist looking for more techniques to help your clients, this conference is for you. Early bird ticket sales end on March 31st and for more details and to register, go to drleafconference.com, D-R-L-E-A-F, conference, or one word, lowercase, dot com. Also, be sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter to get even more tips and tools to equip and empower you to take back control over your mental health. You can sign up at drleaf.com. One last thing, if you like this podcast, I would love it if you left a review. You can also include suggestions and topics that you would like covered in future episodes. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new and helpful. Till next week, thanks again. I'm Dr. Caroline Leith.